You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. Talking games and movies that actors were. Better shake the booties for Black Girl Nerds. Welcome to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Angelica, and joining me as always is my lovely co-host, Ryan. Hey, Ryan. What's up, guys? Or should I say blessed day? Blessed day, blessed be the fruit. As you guys already know, we'll be discussing Handmaid's Tale. Actually, we're going to give you a supersized episode. We're going to break down episode two and three of this season titled Ballet and Border, respectively. Um, so first, let's let's dive into this first episode. Well, actually, let's take a step back and talk about last week's episode and kind of how Twitter reacted. I always love seeing how people um, take in each episode. So for me, the biggest... I guess the biggest points are people saying like they're ready for June to stress them out again this season. <laughs> you know, she's always doing something crazy. And then people really love the whole fact that Canada was minding their business as far as June murdering Fred and the fact that the only consequence for this was June having to pay an $88 fine. So people thought that was pretty hilarious. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you caught any of that, that those tweets or any of those funny discussions online, but I certainly got a kick out of it. I didn't. I'm going to have to catch up, but I we definitely agree with you guys. Like, if you got a chance to check out our recap, we were like, oh my goodness, only June. So, yeah, we definitely right with you guys. We were like, yeah, we're ready for her to stress us out. That's definitely number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So let's get into this episode. Um, Actually, what are your thoughts? Like, just from seeing episode two titled Ballet. Um, I think it was still there was a um there's like the like the most like fire moment ever between Serena and June, which I know we're gonna talk about where it was like mm-hmm. face for days. But this episode definitely to me was still like the calm. Like a lot of these episodes feel like the calm before the storm. Yeah. Because you can tell something's going on with June, like it's brewing, and like we say, she always got looks for days and she don't ever say anything until it's like that one moment. So yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be stressed. So people still hold on, still hold on, still some stress is coming. Yes, June is, is is one to stress us viewers out. So yeah, I enjoyed the episode. I agree with you. It was kind of a build up up until the very end where, like you said, there's somewhat of a face off between Serena and June. So things are about to get heated at the end of this episode. So let's dive back in. So June is once again daydreaming while she, while, well, while we, the viewers here, all I have to do is dream for the Everly Brothers again, <laughs> playing in the background. Um, it's almost like this song is her own personal soundtrack and she's in bed reliving every moment that Serena Joy was ever cruel to her. So, you know, slapping her around, choking her out, you know, all all types of horrible things. I don't know exactly why June is reliving these experiences or maybe she really can't help herself. Like Gilead will always be a part of her. So, you know, we kind of <laughs> get a little uh, flashback to her, her times back in Gilead. 
So um, she gets out of bed. She retrieves her gun from the car and in the dark of her backyard. She buries it um, and she goes back inside. There's a slight smile on her face. And, you know, I'm wondering to myself, is she saving this gun for later for the right person? Is she getting rid of it so that she isn't tempted to use it on the wrong person or the right person? Like, I don't know where, where, where she's getting at, but that little smile tells me she's up to something. What you think, Ryan? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. She's definitely up to something. I think she's just trying to save it. Because if I know June, she doesn't seem like the type of person that's like thinking 10 steps ahead until she actually does it. So I feel like mm-hmm. she's just like, wow, they already think, I, you know, they already own to me. So I need to hide this. I need to cover it up. <laughs> Um, you know, probably it's probably safe, you know, not to have it in there when you got a little kid in the house. So maybe right. she's kind of thinking about that too. But yeah, I think she's definitely up though. She's going to bring that thing back out. She was like, let me just bury it for right now. Cause you know, everything's kind of calm. Right. Yeah. I think you're right. I think she doesn't want it in the house. She doesn't want it around the cold. She doesn't want to be tempted to use it, but she still needs it. Like she's, it's in her back pocket essentially from when the time is right. Uh, so we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how that'll come in handy later. Um, and then we see Serena Joy. She's returned to Gilead. She's accompanied by Tuello and a security team. She's pretty co- cold towards him. He's saying, like, hey, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And she's like, oh, like you were with Fred? <laughs> you know, that didn't go very well. Um, and he reminds her that it took a lot for him to make these arrangements. So as she's getting off the jet, we see Fred's body being unloaded. And Serena is greeted by Nick and Commander Lawrence. Um, she expresses her thanks for them, you know, allowing her to come back home and bury Fred. And Nick offers up his condolences. And then she's kind of like, oh, you know, I wish Fred could have seen you now. He saw so much potential in you. He would be so proud of you in your current position. And she's like, you know, June has brought us all so much suffering and Nick's like, yeah, but, you know, we're blessed. I'm blessed. You're blessed. Like, he's blessed with this, you know, new power as a as a higher ranking commander. And she's blessed with the baby. So it's great. And then Commander Lawrence is like, oh, look at us reunited and all playing nice, like diplomats trying to bury the hatchet. You know, his usual sarcastic self. And Tuella was like, well, we'll see about that. Um, so Commander Lawrence tells Serena that the Putnams have offered up their home for Fred's week. He, you know, offers to escort her back to the hotel so she can freshen up. And she, you know, Serena's about her business. Uh, she'd rather see the church where Fred's funeral will be held. Um, so they take her to the church. And this scene was kind of funny because she's like, oh, I guess this church was visited very often. And, you know... (laughs) It's a beautiful cathedral, but when she turns around, like there's like what, like eight seats. It's such a small, teeny tiny church, um, and she doesn't think it's appropriate um, for for Fred, considering he was one of the founders of Gilead. And you know, Commander Lawrence is like, "Look, we figured you'd want a small, tasteful funeral that would be quick and easy, and that way you could go back to Canada and move out on with your life." We, you know, it was out of respect for you. Um, And she disagrees with this and she insinuates that, you know, they had a hand in Fred's death as there's no way June could have gotten to him without anyone's help. Um, And Lauren isn't threatened or intimidated by Serena. Um, And Serena ends up encouraging him to pursue other the other commanders to give Fred a proper funeral. Um, So I'll stop there to see how you felt about that little itty bitty chapel. 
Yeah, that was that was pretty funny. Basically, like I love like her getting off the plane, Commander Lawrence Nick, and then like the whole like dialogue and conversation between them going up to this church. Because it's like, you know that you're not quite sure if Serena knows exactly what happened, even though, you know, she said it was June, Mm -hmm. but it's like she kind of hasn't really specifically pinpointed them yet. And it's like this whole dance they're doing where it's like they're trying to front like, oh, they're happy to see each other. You know, Serena, like, I feel like Commander Lawrence keeps trying to give her hints about stuff in Gilead and she's just ignoring it. She's like, no, this is my home. They're so excited Mm -hmm. to have me back. The commanders don't care. You know, like, it's just like he keeps trying and she's just like, no, you know, I was like, Serena, this is not the Gilead you started out with. Like the mm-hmm. things that has happened, like you're not going to be able to go back, you know, and I'll get off my soapbox. I don't say too much, but it's it's just insane. Like what her outlook on this is. But yeah, I love the scene with them. Like it, it's, as much as they get to play, like I love it because they're always yeah. like taking shots and they're like, yeah, you think this is going to happen, but it's not going to happen. Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, watching Lawrence and Serena go at it. It's like watching Peter Baelish and and Lord Barry <laughs> go oh, back and yeah, forth. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Yeah, they're super smart, and you know they're not scared of each other, and they just you know their their interactions are always funny. And so later we see Aunt Lydia, who's played by Anne Down, and she's preparing her handmaids for Fred's wake. Um, she boasts, like, despite the fact that this is such a sad occasion, it's an opportunity to impress prospective commanders. Um, Janine, who's played by Madeline Brewer, is helping Esther get ready. Um, Esther is played by McKenna Grace. And just quick sidebar, we didn't get a chance to recap season four, but for those of you that are caught up or aren't caught up, um, Esther is a former wife that was part of the resistance, and she actually was uh the safe house that June and her fellow handmaids went to after they kind of pulled off their mission to save the children of Gilead. Um, but obviously she was betrayed or found out by the other commanders. And so she was punished. And instead of executing her, they ended up um, making her a handmaid. So she's a former wife, uh, <laughs> kind of disgraced at this point. And she had a little bit of attitude problem last season. And so you can only imagine being treated as a handmaid and kind of being this lowly creature. She's not having it. Um, so because of that, Aunt Lydia assigned Janine to basically look after Esther and kind of train her up in the way she should go. So, you know, Janine's encouraging Esther, who's I think I mentioned she's played by McKenna Grace, uh, to, to be good, to which Esther replies, blessed be the stupid fruit. <laughs> so she's she's, you know, she's she's a little firecracker. Um, but even so, Aunt Lydia is impressed with Janine's influence over Esther, and Aunt Lydia allows Janine to accompany Esther to the wake as her minder. Um, she tells Janine that the Putnams have expressed interest in a new handmaid, and Esther is young and fertile. And under Janine's tutelage, you know, she could potentially impress the Putnams. And then Janine, she wonders if Esther's chosen as the Putnams' new handmaid, would it be possible for Esther to, or for Janine to visit Esther? And you know. The Putnams are the adoptive parents of Janine's daughter, Angela. So it just kind of comes full circle for her. And then Aunt Lydia is just like, honey, don't get ahead of yourself. Like, calm down. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'll stop there if you have any thoughts on on poor little Janine trying to train up Esther. Yeah, that little scene, though, where, like, Angela comes running, y'all, that got me again. Like, I hate when we have to go. I so hate when we have to go back to Gilead and see these handmaids like this. Like, I know Angelica was like, get ready because it's happening. She was right. But I was like, I hate, like, I hate these scenes. 
because that was just so like heart wrenching. Like, you know, you can imagine like, you know, just give them like remember to these kids and you have to go back and you have to see the people like fronting to be her parents and stuff. And like how excited she was to see Janine. Um, but you know, and I but I kind of like Janine like in this kind of in this kind of um um I guess the situation now because she's more aware, you kind of see what she's trying to do. You don't know if it's exactly gonna have the impact that she wants. But I feel like even though maybe she doesn't feel as powerful, I still feel like it's a chance for her to kind of work the system because she knows where everything is at. So it's 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 interesting her, but and then you know, like um not Lydia, like you would thought she got like her long lost daughter back or something. So it's kind of like she's she's playing right into it. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. Okay. Yeah, agreed. And we'll kind of get more into her meeting with Angela later. Um, so they have thrown the Putnams have thrown this wonderful you know the Putnams are extra they're very like luxurious opulent so they have this elegant wake that's been thrown for Fred there's classical music playing in the background they have like this this table filled with macaroons and delicate pastries and finger sandwiches and there's a portrait of Fred you know surrounded by these big giant bouquets on display so Serena enters and she's greeted by Commander Warren who's played by Stephen Crunken and Naomi uh, played by Ever Carradine and they both declare they're so happy to see Serena back despite the circumstances um Tuello is not welcomed here <laughs> he's not even allowed to pass the vestibule um Commander Warren makes him sit like at a side table hands him a plate and tells him to stay put <laughs> he's like Serena will be fine she's amongst her friends um so Serena you know meets with the other wives who are in awe of her pregnancy you know we have to remember that the whole reason why Gilead was started because there was some type of ailment that's affected uh fertility in in in, in the U.S. We don't really know what it was, but something, some environmental issue that ended up spreading into the population's fertility. So very few people can actually have children naturally. That's why they have handmaids, women who are proven to be fertile to have these babies for these commanders. So the fact that Serena uh, is a wife that's pregnant. And remember a couple seasons ago, she got shot in the uterus. <laughs> you know, like just the fact that she's pregnant is a miracle within itself. So the wives are in awe of her and you know they wish she could come back so they could make up for lost time um but serena ends up excusing herself to speak to commander lawrence and ask for an update about fred's funeral and he's like ah yeah they think that fred's funeral is adequate um you know and so serena's like you even asked did you and he's like uh not really i mean i think it's enough and to be quite frank most of the commanders feel like fred is a traitor um, and then he excuses himself and is like, plus a day. <laughs> so, you know, things aren't going her way. And then, um, so Nick and Tuello, you know, like, as I said, Tuello isn't really allowed in the party and Nick is kind of standing around. He's kind of the odd man out. They're near the door when the handmaids arrive and Tuello greets Aunt Lydia and he doesn't know her name. So he just goes, uh, uh, you know, blessed day, Aunt. And she's just like, Aunt Lydia, <laughs> like everyone should know who she is. Um, and you know, they greet each other and then she ends up doing her thing and walking amongst the wives. She dismisses the handmaids to the side room and she's just like, Oh, you know how Lydia is. Oh, blessed day, Serena. Oh, you know, offering up her condolences, but noting despite all this pain, she was blessed with a child. Um, she basically calls, um, 
Serena like a wonder. And then she asks for Naomi to follow her to meet the handmaids. So Naomi is introduced to Esther. Um, and she's like, oh, she's awfully young. And I heard she used to be a wife. So she isn't very pleased with this offering. Um, but Aunt Lydia kind of flips it and is like, well, she used to be a wife, which tells me that she has a greater appreciation for your role and will respect you more for it. So Naomi's like, fine. Like, it's, it's fine. I, I, I guess I can deal with it. So as Aunt Lydia takes Esther to meet with Commander Warren, Angela runs in and greets Janine, which she had mentioned earlier. And, and you know, they kind of, you could tell, like, Angela loves Janine. She gives her a big hug. And Naomi is a little uncomfortable with their relationship, so she gets one of the Marthas to grab Angela. Um, Janine, you know, she's a good sport, and she says Naomi has a beautiful daughter, to which Naomi says, like, she thanks God every day for Angela and, you know, for the people that are responsible for bringing Angela into their lives which means she she thanks God every day for Janine and you know Janine she's a simple thing she's very happy to know that Naomi is grateful for Angela's role or Janine's role in Angela's life so I thought that was sweet um I'll stop there if you have any thoughts on those two scenes no, I mean, I just, I, I just think it's very like, it's very interesting to see these scenes. Like everybody's trying to front, uh, you know, Trello over there trying to get his intel, but ain't nobody gonna let him know anything because they know what's going down. Um, because they're very smart at like hiding and you know, of course, keeping him like in the corner so he doesn't really know what's going on. He can't prove like all because they know Fred is giving him a lot of stuff about what's go what goes down in Gilead. So I think that's interesting how they just kind of sideline him, but yeah, and then like, and that was a perfect moment for him not to know who Aunt Lydia was. I thought she was going to lose it because it was like, oh, you must know who I am. Because, you know, she just always comes in the room. Like, everybody else is, like, side-eyeing, but she comes in the room like, I mean, you know, I'm I'm here, guys. Like, the party can begin. You know, like, her presence just means a lot. But it's just like, no, I mean, you done done some stuff that people kind of side-eyeing you a little bit in Gilead, too. Because, um, you know, I think it was, like, last season, I think Commander Lawrence was, like, uh, a big part in her getting her, um, you know, situation back or footing back, status back. And so she kind of gets a little side eye too, but she keeps walking in the room like, oh yeah, you, I, I have arrived. I have these pristine handmaids. Um, so that's interesting to kind of see her walk, walk that a little bit this, this season. But, and then Esther, I got to like, uh, um, Angelica talked about her before. Yeah. She's, she's fire. Um, Cause she doesn't like, she's like by any means trying to go backwards and be a hands like it. And I was kind of surprised. Like I was kind of shocked when it happened to her. Cause I thought maybe something else would happen, but I should have known that's, I guess it's kind of the cycle when she's young, I guess it's kind of cycle how it w- runs here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she's a, she's a fighter, which is, you know, I guess it's a double-edged sword. Cause it's like when you're in a position of a handmaid, you do want to see that kind of fight. You don't want to see them take this, but at the same time, you know, the more you fight, the more they like, you know, give these punishments that they think are just, you know, air quotes that I'm doing that they think are going to like actually get you, whip you in the shape. And they think they're doing that has a purpose. So it's it's like her, I don't know, I feel for her a lot, but you know, you gotta appreciate the fight, I assume. Yeah. So speaking of Esther, she's brought before Commander Warren his study. Um, he ends up dismissing the other commanders and Aunt Lydia as well, which she's not too happy about, but he's a high commander, so she listens regardless. And Esther, you can tell, is pretty frightened by being alone with a man. Um, because if you remember her husband, before he fell ill, and she actually poisoned him, was cruel to her. And her husband used to let 
commanders and guardians like essentially rape her so she's not comfortable around men and uh commander warren doesn't have the best reputation with treating handmaids very well you know he took advantage of janine so you know he's 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 up up there in the creep category um so he tells her like hey you know you don't have to be scared of me i just want to get to know you better and he offers her a piece of chocolate i hate this scene it's so creepy he makes her eats the chocolate like he feeds the chocolate to her like she's a little baby and it's just it's just creepy and controlling and uncomfortable to watch and you can imagine how uncomfortable it is for Esther so in that moment I feel for her so on the birth mobile which is used for transporting handmaids Esther tells Janine this that's what it's called it's called the birth mobile Esther tells Janine of her concerns and she she holds her hand she doesn't want to get posted and Janine tells her like Look, just get your commander to like you and you'll get pregnant faster. And Esther wonders if getting pregnant will protect her. And Janine basically tells her that it's going to be your only protection. And Esther says, sure, and kind of withdraw her hand. Like, she's clearly not happy with Janine's answers. Um, so I felt I felt bad for the girl. Like, I, I was like, I wish that she was still alive because I feel like she's not built for this. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, like I. By the way, I definitely did those. They, these people are so wrong. I did not pay attention that that was called a birth mobile. I thought she was bringing yes. up something like catchy. I did not pay attention to that. Well, all right. Well, yeah. anyway, but uh, yeah, I'm with you. Like, I, I feel bad for Esther because she's trying to like, like she knows there's something about Janine and she knows Janine has fought in the past with June. But it's like, girl, this is a whole other level. Like, you know, she can do what she can do to help you out, which essentially she has. Because if she would have kept fighting, they probably would have killed her or something else worse. So, you know, Janine is trying to protect her, but it's just like, girl, it's not that kind of party. Like, you can you can kind of make your little deals here and there, but it's not like she's going to be able to do something, um, you know, insanely radical to get you out of there or she risks getting herself in trouble as well. So it's just like, yeah, I felt for her. I did feel for her in this scene because it's like, what are you going to do? And, you know, in both their positions, it's like, what are you going to say? Right. Yeah. It's one of those things. So um, Serena, you know, she's a very determined woman. And even though Commander Lawrence shrugged her off, she's determined to get her way. And she usually does. So she finds the commanders gathered in, I guess it's a guest house, like outside of the Putnams. And she confronts Commander Calhoun and Commander Warren, hoping to speak with them on behalf of her husband. Um, you know, considering that Fred has dedicated his life to Gilead, she wants her unborn son and the world um, to know what they what they have created, which, in her opinion, is heaven on earth. Um, and she knows what Canada thinks of them, being that she's been there, I would say, for the last couple months. And she thinks it's important to show the world that they grieve like everyone else. She wants this funeral to be a televised event. And Lawrence jumps in and defends her. And he says, like, they show the world their fists and now they should show their humanity. Commander Ward isn't hearing any of this. He's like, why are we even listening to you, Lawrence? You don't follow our way of life. You don't even have a wife. And Commander Lawrence, sarcastic as always, is like, thanks for reminding me of my wife's untimely death. <laughs> like, appreciate it. Um, and Calhoun seems to be open to the idea of this grand funeral but warren wonders what the world will think of them if they're honoring a traitor so now nick steps in and he says that like look if we do this we're going to appear merciful and they're going to show fred's sacrifice and shine a light on on serena's miracle you know so perhaps by showing all these things maybe the world will finally accept gilead um so you know back at the hotel she's 
pretty worried. She's having like a cup of tea with Tuello and he's telling her like, you did the best you can. And Commander Lawrence walks in and with good news. He tells her like, look, the commanders have agreed to have this great grand funeral. Uh, so Tuello leaves and Lawrence is going to go over the guest list. And she mentions that she wants to invite commanders from out of town, which will come up later in our discussion on why that's so important. Um, so I'll stop there for your thoughts on misdetermination. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, she just, I don't know. She's doing the most right now, but we already knew like Serena was going to try to come up with something. Cause like you said, she determined, like she's not going to give up. We knew she was going to work on something and she wasn't going to deal with that little baby church with like the eight seats in it mm-hmm. because she still doesn't, she's still not looking at the bigger picture, but you know, that's Serena for you. But, and I will say like the only time I ever agree with Calhoun, cause he is like a snake and a half. Um, where I would never agree with anything he says, but the only time I agree with them, like them not doing the funeral, just because I just didn't want it. Because I think any mm-hmm. kind of publicity, you know, when they're showing any of this kind of stuff, it's just like, oh, this is great. And you notice, like, you still notice who's in charge in Gilead, right? So it's just like, I, I don't like any time they get to take over, like, the airways because, you know, what Serena's plan is. So, yeah, that's the only time I'll ever agree with him. But, yeah, other than that, like, yeah. Yeah, he can kick rocks other than that. But that's probably be the only time I ever agree with something he had to say. Yeah, and you you met uh Warren, right? Not Calhoun. Just want to make yeah, sure. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Warren. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. So many commanders. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> so later, Tuello and Nick meet in secret. Um, Nick asks after June and Nicole, and Tuello assures him that they're doing well. Um, and he's like, you know, you've risen up pretty quickly. You've managed to help June while staying under the radar. That's a pretty rare talent. So because of this, Tuello proposes that Nick could see Nicole in person. And Nick is like, that's a pipe dream. And he's like, I don't know. You know, the American government could be very forgiven if he works for them, you know, slips in some intel, kind of stays under the radar like he's been for a little while longer. Maybe he could help him actually see Nicole in person instead of asking about how Nicole is doing. So Nick kind of mulls this over and considers the offer. Um, I'll stop there. That was just one brief scene. But I thought that... um, that exchange was pretty interesting, uh, you know, the, with the possibility of Nick coming over to the other side. Yeah, I think that would be, I think that would be epic. Like, I think that would be like the other person they need um, um, to kind of like really turn things over. But I don't know, like, I don't think he would ever be able to leave without like a huge fight or huge like explosion somewhere. Mm-hmm. Just because like his position and how many people know what's going on. And, um, you know, I'm sure people know I don't know. Maybe they don't know. Maybe he's been able to keep it under wraps. I would say I don't know if they know how much they know about his relationship with June. So I don't know how much he can like how that's hidden and what they know. But that I think that would be like I would love that for like just to kind of mix it up a little bit. And then they would have another end roll because he obviously he knows like the ins and outs of Gilead at this point. And then having to like, you know, he did a lot of like, you know, running the troops and all that kind of stuff. So. I think that would be that would be interesting. Like I'm I'm hoping that'll be like maybe a I'm hoping it'll be in this season, but I hope that's definitely like a season six thing where we get to see him like really come out and he's like, well, I'm just tired of it and see him turn up to another level. I think that would be so interesting. Yeah, agreed. Um, So next we see June. She's looking after this indoor garden. It's apparently her new pastime. Um, Moira calls for her. They're hosting a game night and 
June is pretty triggered um, when she picks up a game of Scrabble. If you guys remember in the first season, that's the game that she played with Commander Fred uh, Waterford. So she's kind of triggered of all the bad things that happened to her in Gilead. Um, and Luke asks if she's okay and she kind of like shoves it off. She's like, yeah, I'm fine. So uh, Rita, if you'll remember, who was uh, played by Amanda Bruegel and she was the Martha at the Waterford's home jumps up when she hears a timer in the kitchen she's made a fresh loaf of bread um and june follows her so she wonders if rita knows about serena's return to gilead um june isn't really happy about it she's like serena doesn't get to waltz back and forth between these countries like she's some queen and she wonders if she'll ever get what she deserves you know maybe they'll put her on the wall or maybe they'll take her baby away and make her handmaid and then put her on the wall and Rita is pretty uncomfortable with the direction of this conversation. She just wants to make her bread in peace. Uh, Moira walks in and overhears everything. Um, and then June, like, she just doesn't know when to stop. June asks Rita if she remembers when Serena slapped her after her disastrous baby shower. And then Moira is like, stop it. And she keeps going. She's like, yeah, she took your anger out on you because she couldn't hurt me because I was pregnant. And Rita's like, doesn't want to talk about Serena. You know, she tells her, like, I may not have been a handmaid, but I struggled every day, like every single day. And um, she leaves. And then Moira is like, what the fuck? like what the fuck is wrong with you <laughs> like what is going on with you there's there's some things going on with June so I guess after that disastrous game night June is once again back at her gardening it seems to bring her some type of peace and Luke checks in on her um June confesses uh that Serena knows about June killing Fred because she mailed Serena Fred's finger um Cause she wants her to know, like, I want her to know it was me. Like very Olena Tyrell of her, like tell Cersei it was me. And, um, Luke is furious because her actions could endanger their family. And he's like, you're obsessed with Serena. Like this isn't going to help us get Hannah back. So he levels with her. He's like, you need to remain present. You need to be here. We need you. I need you. Nicole needs you. And if you don't stop, I don't know what's going to happen to our family. He's like, Serena's gone, you know, and she's probably terrified of you. You know, you've won. You're safe in Canada. Like, just let it go. Forget about her. Fuck her. <laughs> and June's just like, yeah, fuck her. So it seems like he's gotten through to her. So I'll stop there for your thoughts on June kind of not quite having a grip on things. Yeah, I mean, uh, shout out to like Rita. I love anything you get with Rita. Amanda Bruegel is really playing this role. Um I remember like from the jump being scared that she wasn't going to make it out. Like Rita wasn't going to make it out of Gilead. Um, Cause it was just like all the stuff that she was trying to do to kind of help you now and give information and stuff. And I was always nervous about that, but like shout out to her just trying to cook her bread and do her thing and move on. And then June coming in. Cause you know, June don't read a room when she get upset about something, she just start going in. And, um, but yeah, I think she was, yeah, she was totally out of line on this one, but we know how June gets when she starts thinking about, you know, she gets triggered and she starts thinking about like, still being over there and it's just like if you think about it what are you actually going to be able to do because if they caught if they catch you back well first of all it's not telling what they're going to do when they catch you back over there if you're a handmaid it's not like you don't have any bodyguard or any kind of security kind of get you through so she just kind of keeps driving herself nuts like it's like this continual cycle in her head and i like how luke tried he tried like he tried to step in he was like look forget it which i think she realizes like i'm really not going anywhere i think it's just this bad like demon of a cycle that's going to be caught on her head 
So it's like she's calm for a moment, but you can kind of tell like she kind of stares out like over her shoulder or whatever like that. Whenever he gives her a hug, it's trying to keep her like calm. Like, look, I need you to be here, but it's not working because you can just see the wheels turning. Like that's all she could think about is like her daughter's still over there. You know, she hasn't got to deal out her punishment to Serena like she wants. So, yeah, I think all these demons are just going to keep following her around. Yeah, yeah. She, she like, I t- like I said before, she needs to go to therapy. <laughs> like, <laughs> and there's no other way around it because she's, she has, like, this bloodthirst, this, like, one-track man- mind where she can't even enjoy her life because she's so dead set on revenge. Um, and I get it to, to a degree. She really can't let it go because Hannah is still back in Gilead, but there still has to be a part of her that has to move on in some shape or form. Even if she still holds a torch and hope for Hannah getting her back, she still has to recognize that Luke is there. Moira's there. Nicole's there. Like she has others to live for. Um, but I don't think she's going to quite get past that anytime soon. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, speaking of people that are damaged, um, Esther uh, is is talking to Janine. Um, they're back at the Red Center, and she acknowledges that it must be really hard for Janine to see her daughter and then have to leave her. And Janine tells her, like, she's pretty used to it. Um, so Esther offers her chocolates that she stole from the Putnam's house. And they have a little heart-to-heart. Janine confides in her that having a baby is the most wonderful thing that's ever happened to her. It's the most complete love you'll ever know, even if someone else is raising your child. And she tells Esther that they treat you like a princess when you're pregnant. And Esther, you know, agrees, like, oh, I bet. I I bet that's what they do. And Janine says she's going to miss Esther. Um, but she hopes that they'll end up being walking partners. Maybe Aunt Lydia can help with that. So um, <laughs> Esther's just like, yeah, I didn't really like you when I first met you. Um, and I was right the first time. And Janine's like, what do you mean by that? Meanwhile, they're both eating this chocolate. Um, and she tells Janine that she knows she doesn't care about her. She only helped her because she wanted to see Angela. She says Janine used her just like Aunt Lydia uses her, just like everyone else does. She says that, you know, Janine is no better than anyone else in Gilead. And Janine's like, no, 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 no. I was just trying to help you survive. Like, June helped me. And Esther's like, you're nothing like June. You're a disgrace. And I hate you. Um, And then she says pretty cryptically, like, I'm going to make June proud. Uh, but then she starts coughing up blood. She's so just like, what is going on? And then Janine starts to cough or hop. And then she starts to cough up blood. And it's just, they're just on the ground, just bleeding from their nose, coughing up all types of blood. There's like a puddle of blood underneath both of them. Aunt Lydia rushes in with another aunt. She's like, you know how she feels about Janine. Janine's like her baby. So she's like holding Janine and she's just like, what happened? What happened? And then we cut away. We have no idea what their fate is at this point. But in my mind, I was like, yo, Esther is crazy. (laughs) Like, she, she, I don't know where she got that poison from. Maybe she got like rat poisoning or something. But like that little girl, I mean, I thought June was bad. Like, uh, Esther is like June 2.0. Like, she, if she was just older, oh my gosh, she would inflict so much damage. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. So, I don't know what you think about that bloodbath. 
Yeah, that was that was crazy. But you know, like when you when you pointed out too in the birthmobile, I kind of felt like she was kind of picking up vibes from Janine. Like, listen, Janine is not trying to start a war, at least not in this capacity. Like, she's not trying to to book authority on this one because she knows how it goes. Mm-hmm. So I think in that moment, Esther was already cooking up this plan. Like you said, who knows where and where she got this poison from? But I'm telling you one thing: if Esther give you some kind of treat, a snack, do not eat that stuff. <laughs> Like she's Don't like, I'm starting to side out this girl because it's like she could just easily like she is so easily slipping this stuff in people's food. But yeah, that that was crazy because I was like, I guess she was like, but you kind of see, it's like you saw, but you didn't. Like I didn't expect them to both start coughing up blood, so that was crazy. And I was like, well, dang, you got to take out Janine with you or something. Like it was crazy. Yeah, so I, thought, I was just like, yeah, go ahead. I, I thought she had just poisoned herself. Like I'm gonna take myself out. I'm not gonna punish myself or put myself in this position but yeah i'm like oh she's taking janine with her but uh, go ahead right no yeah no i was just yeah that's where i was going in i was like i couldn't believe she was gonna take janine out too i was just like girl you could have just if that's what you if that's how you want to roll and that's how you want to do it i was like you don't have to do janine like that and i was just thinking like another thing janine has to go through mm-hmm. another time where it's like she's she you know she's following the rules you know trying to play this game and it's like again here we go but yeah, I'm just like, I, I couldn't take, but yeah, Esther, you got to watch out for her. I'm like, like, it's like you said, she is definitely 2.0 June. Like she is not, yeah. she's not here for this. So it ain't, if she makes it, if she gets through or we, we forgot what happens next, ain't no telling what she going to try to do next, but we'll see. Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> so next we see Serena and June, they're both getting ready. We see June, you know, put on these black knee high boots and this pure white dress um in you know in contrast to Serena who puts on a black dress and sensible boots um so Serena she's dressed in her black gown she's wearing a black veil over her head as she approaches you know Fred's adorned coffin she hugs it she cries over it and then she kind of prepares herself for this funeral march um and she tells Commander Lawrence she's ready Meanwhile, June's sitting with Luke in an audience she's captivated by by a dancer's performance of Swan Lake um, and then we also intercut with Serena walking the streets of Boston, escorting Fred's body to the church as bells are tolling, as they're ringing. Uh, a crowd is assembled, watching as the marchers are followed by an army of mourning, low-ranking commanders, wives, and armed guardians. They pass by a crowd of assembled Marthas, Econo wives, and handmaids who bow to Serena, you know, the grieving widow. And then they arrive at the church and they bow before the high commanders seated. Warren, Commander Warren is included. Um, as they approach the church, they are met by d- the daughters of Gilead and Hannah is among them and she's played by Jordana Blake. Um, so like this whole thing cutting between, you know, June Washington Swan League and this big giant orchestrated event that Serena has, has, has planned is kind of a dance, which kind of goes back to the title of ballet, um, so after the performance, June and Luke grab a cup of coffee. They seem to be happy to discuss having another kid. And, you know, they kiss blissfully in the center of, of guests. Like, it looks like Toronto's own type of Times Square. And, you know, she seems happy. And then she looks up and she, see, she sees Fred's funeral broadcasted to the world. And she's shocked when one of the daughters of Gilead gives Serena a bouquet and stands beside her. And that girl is Hannah. So Luke and June are horrified at seeing this. And Serena stares into the camera. There's a smirk that forms across her lips. It's almost like she's saying like, checkmate, bitch. Like you can tell this is a message. (laughs) This is a message. 
to June. And June, sure enough, looks up and her face forms into this, this grimace. And you know it's on and popping at this point. So that's how the episode ends. And so, yeah, I was like, well played, Serena. Well played. <laughs> oh, my God. Boy, these two. I de- yeah, that's like the moment that we like, oh, you know, like the moment of, mm-hmm. of the movie or the, of the show or whatever. Because you're right. Like she said, checkmate. I was like, my mouth was open. I was like, no, she didn't just do that. I was like, Jewel was finally like she had a bit. Like you said, it was like a little cute moment with Luke. They coming from a ballet. It was being all cutesy. She was calmed down. And I was just like, I saw that look at that screen. I was like, oh, no, she didn't. I was like, oh, my gosh. And I just, I was like, boy, I was like, it's it's going to turn up from here. I was like, she's going to lose her stuff. Yeah, because, but you know, like you said, Serena knew exactly what she was doing. Like that look was just like, I'm looking like, I don't know if June's looking at this, but I'm going to look just right. Like I'm looking right through her. Like I know she's looking at the screen. Yep. Yeah, they, oh, they so messy. I'm telling you, they messy. Yep, and that's why she had requested for commanders from out of town to join the funeral procession. Because if you remember, um, after June went to see Hannah before she tried to escape Gilead, um, for Hannah's safety, her family transferred like somewhere in the Midwest or somewhere further away from Boston. So June had no idea where she was. So, you know, Serena knows what she's doing, and that kind of leads into the next episode, but which was entitled Border. Um, but Twitter was going crazy over that. Like, between Esther's poisoning, you know, herself and Janine, and, and Serena with her grand plan, people were very, like, up in arms, like, whoa, Serena got her, check me. And then they were saying how Esther is crazy. So <laughs> we'll see how they feel about this episode. Um, so now that we're on the next episode, um, what do you think about this particular episode, Border? Yeah, I like this episode because I, um, you know, I we're we're back out somewhat from Gilead. Um, we get to see like I like any episode that's giving us the inner workings. Like, where what is the plan to kind of shut this down or you know figure out like make sure there's some kind of safety net for the people in Gilead if they want to get out. Like, I want to know more about that that's going on. So um, yeah, I enjoyed this episode. This is the first time I felt like I was like, oh okay, this is good. Like, give me some more background information. Let me find out some more stuff about you know. Um, some of these women that are fighting and stuff behind the scenes. So yeah, I enjoyed this one. Yep, yep, I agree with you. Um, so we find June. She's sitting in her living room. She's kind of still reeling from everything she saw. Um, after leaving the ballet, and she's, um, gripping a picture of Hannah. Luke checks in on her, and he, he I don't know why, but she's very focused on what Hannah was wearing. She was like, "Do you know what Hannah was wearing?" Luke doesn't really know, and neither does Moira. And June comments, "She's never seen that color before." Um, and Moira is like, yeah, it was like a plum or a purple, but none of them know what that color means. Um, Moira says like, you know, Hannah wasn't wearing pink. That means she's not a little girl anymore. So they also noticed that Tawella was there and they assumed Serena had made some type of deal with the Americans. So June's like, maybe we should reach out to Nick to kind of figure out what's going on with Hannah. And Luke's like, you can't reach out to Nick without Tawella being alerted to it. So Moira offers up a different solution. Uh, solutions. She says she knows a group of women at the border who can get a message across to Gilead. So this angers June because Moira didn't tell her about that. But Moira is like, I didn't want to tell you because, you know, these women are like low key suicidal. I don't want you involved. But in any case, she agrees to help them set up a meeting. Um, but Luke can't come like men are not allowed. <laughs> so it's girls only. Um, so Moira and June meet with these with the group 
leader of the Canada-based resistance. Her name is Lily, and she's played by Christine Coe. And I like the scene, this exchange, because Lily's like, oh, so you're June Osborne. I thought you'd be taller. <laughs> you know, when you think of these great people, you don't think that they're, you know, fun-sized. Um, and she's pretty in, uh, you know, in all of everything that June has accomplished. Um, you know, Lily turned out to be one of the prisoners that was exchanged for Fred. Um, and she's just like, how could you have, like, how did you pull this off? How did you save us? How did you save all those children? Um, and June just says she was lucky. And the lady's like, no, that's not luck. That's what women say when they do great things. Um, so she kind of gives her her props. Um, so she tells her, like, she asks, you know, I can help you get this message across to your commander. Um, is he a, a Jezebel guy? Which if you remember, it's kind of like the brothel where all the commanders kind of do their thing. And, um, handmaids or Martha's or women that weren't deemed acceptable or sent there to be prostitutes essentially. And then, you know, below them are the unwomen that get sent to the colony. So in any case, um, apparently Nick is not a fan of the brothel. So, you know, June tells her like, no, he's not a fan of that, but she's like, okay, though, there's another way, you know, I did expand the network before I was caught. Um, so she's introduced to the rest of the resistance and they're in no man's land at the border. Um, and they introduced June as like the savior, you know, she was responsible for Angel's flight, which was, you know, how the children were rescued from Gilead and Lily takes them into a cabin and they, she tells her basically like they can get past Gilead's cellular network by using that phones, but it takes a while. So they're going to have to wait for a little bit. Um, so while they're waiting in this cabin, June is amazed by all these photos of, of people that the resistance has saved. Um, but Lily is like, there's way more people that we've lost. And so she shows them a, a wall with even more pictures. Um, and she tells them that they're part of May Day. And June is surprised because in her mind, May Day wasn't like a real thing. Um, and she's like, no, May Day is everywhere. Like there's small posts, you know, across borders all over the world. And, you know, they're they're here to help. Um, and so she tells June by doing what she's done. She's also part of May Day. Um, so I'll, I'll stop there for, for how you felt about June's one, her big introduction to the May Day resistance to Canada. And also, I guess that scene between her and Luke kind of figuring out what's going on with Hannah and this big thing about the color purple. Yeah. She was not letting that color go. I, she, she had me start thinking about, it. I was like, what color was she wearing? Like I started mm-hmm. thinking about it too, trying to figure it out. Cause you know, the colors are everything in Gilead. Yeah. So it it was, yeah, that had me nervous too. I was like, oh gosh, because she's like, it's like you slowly counting away the years that she has to get to, you know, her little girl, which is not a little girl anymore, or to get, get Hannah out of this situation. Um, you know, which is like, you, you start to think like, could she, would she ever be able to do it? Is she too far gone? Um, you know, cause like you pointed out Angelica before, like when we first started, she was kind of like, she screamed at her last season and stuff. Mm-hmm. so it was like I don't know it's like it's like even if she gets a chance to ever see Hannah is it gonna go okay like would she ever be able to truly get her out right. but so yeah that was just talking stuck in the back of my head when they kept talking about it but yeah I feel for Luke because it's like no men allowed it's like he doesn't really have a, a you know a way like a position right now a way to kind of do anything he's just kind of sitting back and it's like he's trying to comfort June as much as he can but his hands are tied and then um, I love the introduction of, of Lily here. Um, Christine Cole does a great job. As the, I love seeing like the women with their, you know, their weapons and everything. Like they're not mm-hmm. playing, they guarding the border and everything. 
And um, yeah, I mean, it's just so interesting to see like how far Mayday can go. And I know June wasn't believing it before because, you know, she basically essentially, you know, what she, oh, she didn't really get Jimmy out as far as she could, but they essentially were out. So they were going to try to make it, you know, before she got all the way there. So I think they kind of, you know, at some point we're losing hope. Like this is not a real thing. We just got to get our own selves out of here. Mm-hmm. so it was good to finally see like Mayday surface itself because everybody keep throwing this around they keep talking about this and it's like well where are these women at how do they do this and it makes sense that it's so covert and because they would be caught and killed so it makes sense that they have like little stations over here you know some families help out that are undercover you know just so like everybody doesn't know because you know Gilead would destroy that quick fast and in a hurry if they knew it was like a big organization somewhere like just pulling in people so mm-hmm. I love how they have the the very covert, like covert mission, you know, almost like a CIA or something like going undercover and, and you know, making it very quiet where they're known as. So it's going to get interesting. And I think that gives June like it's probably going to get scary, too. But at least it gives her like I feel like it gives her something. She's not going to take Angelica's advice and get some therapy. So <laughs> I guess it gives her like some kind of outlet, like some way to kind of, you know, make her feel like she's doing a little bit of something or some kind of because she needs an outlet. Like somebody like June needs an outlet because eventually they're going to yeah. explode or they just going to keep getting in. Um, you know, keep getting in people like Rita's faces, like they not hurt and like they don't need time to grieve. So I think she needs some kind of like opening somewhere. Yeah, agreed. Um, so they are they do end up helping the resistance while they're waiting for Nick's call. Um, they sell up Martha uniforms that are gonna be sold back in Gilead. Um, they actually sell like you know, basically tools and things that they need to help the resistance. In this case, they're sewing a bag of arsenic into a sleeve, and it's meant to poison a DC commander. Um, so outside, they hear a commotion. The resistance finds a guarding at the encampment, and there's an armed standoff. He insists he's a friend, but he doesn't remember the passcode. So a young girl named Rachel runs to his side, and she helps him out. She provides the passcode, and she thanks the guardian for his help. And he tells her to go in grace. So as he turns to walk away, June asks if he's going back. And he tells her, yeah, I have to. I have a wife and a kid that I can't leave behind. So I was like, oh, yeah. But I feel like that sparks something in June because she has a child that's left behind as well. She ends up finally getting the call from from uh, Nick. And he tells her Hannah is safe. He's not, you know, she's not with Serena anymore. Not since the funeral. And then she asked him, like, what does purple mean? And he tells her, you know, Hannah is the daughter of a high commander um, and she's going to be sent to a new school to prepare to be a wife. And she's like, what? She's I think at this point, Hannah's about 12. Um, and Nick, you know, assures her the Mackenzie's love her. You know, she's going to the school, but they're not going to send her off to be a wife just yet. And in spite of all this, you know, uh, Hannah is is a strong girl. She's just like June. Um, so then June asks if Nick can transfer to Hannah's gesture to look after her. And he tells her he can't because he has obligations. He has a wife. So June's like, oh, who's this wife of yours? Um, and Nick's like, her name is his Rose. And June's like, would I like her? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I think you'd like her. Um, so he tells her like, look, you need to protect yourself you know how's Nicole and she tells her like Nicole's so smart you know she's she's doing well she loves the doll that he gifted her so like he basically goes on to tell her keep yourself safe keep Nicole safe the Mackenzies are a powerful family and she promises that she's gonna be safe and then she tells Nick 
they're going to be happy. And as they're having this conversation, she's flashing back to the last time they saw each other. Because despite the fact that they're both married to other people, they still love each other. Uh, so I think that's an interesting dynamic for June because I know she loves Luke a lot, but she also loves Nick. So she's kind of caught between her, her mane and her side. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I'll stop there on, you know, your thoughts on the resistance, um, what they're doing. Like you said, the, the things they're doing behind the scenes and then also that guardian that brought a girl in and Nick's conversation with June. Yeah, I was nervous. I thought that Guardian was going to end up being, like, for real, like, trying to break something up or was... I mean, I like he was going to get away with it because they had their, like, shotguns and guns ready. Hmm. So I'm sure they would have took him out. But I thought he was really, like... I thought maybe he had infiltrated and figured out what they were doing. But um, I like how, you know, when she um, Rachel comes up behind him, it's like, no, 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 he saved me. He saved me. He's good. And then he's like, okay, well, um, bye. And he just kind of turns around. <laughs> like, after all... It just felt, like, so anticlimactic. Like, after all the yelling and everything... He's just like, all right, cool. I've done my part, so I'm going to leave now. Yep. So I thought that was interesting to kind of see, like, how they just drop off, you know, like, how it works. You know, you kind of drop off at a lot of, like, the Guardians and stuff are, are trying to come and try to help some people. Because we saw a lot of them working with um, June when she was when she was trying to get through, like, when she was with the other handmaids when they were trying to break free, like, after they had rescued the kids and everything. So it's interesting to see, like, the different parts of Gilead that they don't really pay attention to, that people are kind of helping out and, and sneaking around and stuff because they like, we don't believe in this either. Right. So it's it's interesting to see that. Um, I hated that information we found out about Hannah. It was like I wanted to know, but I didn't want to know after I found out because I was like, she's running out. It's like a like a clock constantly ticking down for like if she's gonna be able to get to her, what we're gonna do next. If she gets married and all that kind of stuff, then she's fully. I mean, she might be now, but that's even more of like you're fully integrated into the society. And it's right. just like, what do you do at that point? So I just it's it's just like so sad to see like it's just like slowly slipping slipping away now that you know. It's not like she'd be able to do anything. Maybe if she was still in Gilead, but it's like now that she's away, it's just slowly, slowly drifting away from her. Nick can't do anything. Like he tries as much as he can, but he's got like people watching him. He's a commander. So it's like, it's only so much he can do before he's in He's in jeopardy. You know, like his wife is in jeopardy. So it's like, you, you got to watch your back. So that's, that was like a tough conversation to feel like that was like her one hold. Um, you know, she kind of, I guess she may can go to commander Lawrence, but we always know he's like doing some kind of, game or something or he kind of knows how to play it a little safer than nick so i felt like that was kind of like her last little stronghold to kind of get something done so that was that was definitely hard to watch but yeah i don't know like i'm i maybe maybe nick will take a um trello's deal or something i don't know but that I, that was just hard because it was like her her final little like glimpse into like maybe stronghold and he was giving her all the information on hannah so i don't know that's gonna be hard going forward to kind of see what that turns into yeah, I mean that that kind of sees you can see you can tell that they're setting up um, the story to go into the testaments, <laughs> which hopefully comes out not next year but the year after or maybe two, a couple years from now. Um, so we'll you know I, as I said, Hannah is still in Gilead for she'll be there for a while. So <laughs> well, as interesting, yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, she Hannah has a big part to play in Gilead's downfall, so she she takes after uh, Yeah, she takes after her mama, so we'll we'll have to wait and see for the series to come out and see how closely it follows the books. Um anyway, <clears throat> so Tuello and Serena are back at the hotel and they're discussing her big success with the funeral. Um, and she's like, I hope I haven't gotten you in trouble with the office and he tells her, you know, 
allowing her to bury Fred will would basically be, serve as an apology for their part in Fred's death. Um, and then she wonders, like, is this really your guys' apologizing? Or are you guys just trying to collect information to send back to Canada and to the, you know, the American intelligence? And he's like, nope, that's not the case. And Serena's like, okay, that's fine. But you really shouldn't stay long because whether you're collecting information or not, I know the hotel Martha's will definitely <laughs> be watching. So he leaves and he tells her, you know, he'll, he'll be back to escort her to Commander Lawrence's home. Um, so she's taken to Commander Lawrence's house for dinner. Um, Lawrence greets her and tells Tuello, like, eh, nice seeing you, but you aren't welcome. We don't, we don't do spies around here. So once again, Tuello is put out in the cold. He's not allowed to, you know, be a part of anything. Uh, so he has to wait outside. Um, Serena is uh, reintroduced to Commander McKenzie. He's played by Jason Butler Harner. And his wife, um, Mrs. McKenzie, he's played by Amy Landecker. And remember, these are Hannah's adoptive parents. Um, and they express their condolences. Uh, Serena thanks him for allowing uh, allowing her to give Fred a proper send off. And uh, Commander McKenzie is like, I, you know, I wish we could have given him a fair trial. Um, and he knows that June was responsible for what happened to Fred. And he knows that she's received help from the inside. Um, and then their conversation is interrupted when Dick and his wife Rose arrive. Uh, so Serena gets to know Rose and we learn that Rose and Nick met at a gala in D.C. Um, Nick gives her like a sweater that Rose knitted. She's not a very good knitter, but she tried. Um, and it's for the baby. So there's a nice little pleasant exchange there. Uh, so they, they end up going to dinner. Um, and Lawrence is discussing uh, with Mackenzie about the great feedback they've gotten from the funeral broadcast. Um, so because of this great feedback, this positivity, maybe they should re- reconsider a new export strategy to Europe. Because um, if you remember, because n- not many countries are on board with the way Gilead moves, there's all these different um, blockages in place so they can't export certain goods. So maybe with this positive press, this will be helpful. Um, Mackenzie insists like he's boring the ladies they can talk about it tomorrow at the council meeting Uh, Mrs. Mackenzie says like you know once Commander Lawrence is remarried he'll have a wife to redirect the conversations and Lawrence is like I don't plan on getting married so Mackenzie was like well that's something else that we have to discuss because a single man in leadership is not acceptable so Serena ends up redirecting the conversation and she thanks the Mackenzies for coming to the funeral and allowing Serena to see Hannah who by the way is renamed Agnes here in Gilead um and they tell her well they you know while they did want to support her and and Fred's funeral they have they admit that they had an ulterior motive which was to discuss their mutual adversary June Osborne um so Mackenzie had hoped that with June in Canada things would have settled down but the fact that she got to Fred they fear with the help of the Americans that she will get to them as well. And he regrets ever showing her mercy. And if you remember a couple seasons ago, um, before she tried to make her first escape, she went to the Mackenzie's home and broke in and, and tried to take Hannah with her. And so instead of being put on the wall for her actions, the Mackenzie's chose to show her grace because Mrs. Mackenzie was basically saying that they didn't want Hannah to know that something terrible had happened to her birth mother. Um, so Commander McKenzie regrets that decision and he calls June a cancer that must be cut out. 
Um, and Nick is listening pretty concerned <laughs> about this whole scenario. So I'll stop there for, for you to comment on that exchange. Yeah, the McKenzie's. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I just, you, I just already like, as I'm sure everybody is, it's like, it's just hard to see them talking about being her parents and keeping, keeping, um, Agnes, you know, AKA Hannah away from June. Um, because you know, like, you know, and just talking like so bad about her and what she represents and, you know, like them trying to, you know, help Serena out with this plan. Cause we all know Serena's always up to something. But I do like, um, but going back, back before I do like how Lawrence was like, um, I don't think I'm getting married. Cause we already know, we already know like Commander Lawrence is like, he, he like goes along with it because he knows what's expected of him, but he also books a lot of their traditions, which I'm not mad at. Like he's in a position where he can like side turn, like, you know, just like side turn a lot of the stuff they want him to do and, and get away with it. Cause it's like, what are they going to say? Um, because he is a man trying to make all these suggest suggestions. Uh, that's how their society works. So it's always interesting when he gets a, in that little situation with them and they're always like, well, why you need to be married and you need to do this. Um, so I thought that was uh, kind of like, you know, in their in their face kind of moment, which I appreciated. But I don't know. Yeah, I think it's always like you said, we got this new we got the spinoff coming in the future. So that'll be cool to see. But I think Hannah's always going to be like that sore spot where it's like hard to hear about them talk about her. and You know what June is going through. So, yeah, but yeah, you got to keep out. But and Commander uh, Commander McKenzie, like, I feel like that's the guy we're going to keep our eyes on. Yeah. Like, as you continue to, like, reveal stuff in this episode, yeah, you're going to have to watch him. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, So outside, Nick is talking with Tuala. Rose is outside with them, but she's kind of a little ways off, uh, kind of looking, watching their conversation. Uh, so I'll ask if Nick ha has had any time to consider his offer. And Nick is like, yeah, I can't do that right now. Um, and they're interrupted by Commander McKenzie. Um, McKenzie asks to speak with Nick alone. And, you know, when Twelve excuses himself, he tells Nick that Rose's father is an old friend. And he basically insinuates Rose is responsible for Nick's rise in the ranks. And he's like, I'm going to keep an eye on you. Um, and I, you need to do right by Rose. And then he leaves. So by this exchange, you can tell that Commander McKenzie is not a man to be messed with. <laughs> he's a high commander from D.C. He has a ton of influence. And obviously, he also has an interest in Nick because of, you know, not his feelings. But, you know, he probably looks at Rose as like, like a family friends like a daughter so he's like don't play with rose i'm gonna keep my eye on you i don't really trust you um so now we have some type of attention that nick really doesn't need on him considering all that he's doing behind the scenes to kind of um i wouldn't say destroy gilead but he's 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 been instrumental in in in, in kind of disrupting the system so um inside serena tells lawrence that you know he must miss eleanor she was such a big presence and she actually liked her a lot and then lawrence you know he's pretty honest to a fault tells her that eleanor didn't like her at all <laughs> and serena's like ah, that's okay most women don't like me and so she like puts her hand on her belly and he notices her missing finger and he tells her like fred should not have done that to her uh fred was a weak man that overcompensated for his weaknesses and Serena agrees, and she's glad that he's not there to raise her son. Their son needs a strong man to raise him. Um, so Lawrence is like, you know, hope your next husband will be a good father. Um, 
And she says, well, you know, you need to get married too. Mackenzie was right about you remarrying. You know, a single commander has very little influence. He's not really a fan of, of marrying for power. Um, so they kind of had that exchange. And then she has him touch her belly so he can feel the baby kicking. It's a cute little moment. You kind of see him. One of the few moments you see him kind of soften up and he reassures her that he's going to be there to keep her safe. Like they are going to keep her safe. So I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, hmm, are they shipping this, 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 this relationship? You know, he's single, she's single. They obviously have some type of respect for each other. Like, could this be a thing? I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I was definitely thinking they were going to start shipping them. Like, I was definitely getting that vibe. Um, Because we know that's what Serena was after anyways. Because she's always trying to, like, her mind is always moving. Like, I was like, look how Coochie moved on for Fred. I was like, but I thought you was hurt, though. But she's always, (laughs) like, thinking about, right? Like, she's always thinking about her next move. Like, what's she going to do um, to continue to get her power and and, uh, Gilead? When I'm like, girl, don't you know they just going to come up with something else? But you could tell Lawrence is like, like, Lawrence kind of, like, this is what I love about this character. Commander Lawrence is always like, like he goes with it and you think he's getting pulled in, but he's, but he's also always thinking about something else. So it's like the exchange was kind of like, if you read their body languages, it felt very awkward to me, but I also thought like you did Angelica, that they were like trying to ship them, even though it was like, it just, it felt super awkward. Like him even like reaching over, touching the baby, like to feel the kick. And it was just like, I was like, there ain't no way. Cause I just felt like the both of them would get on each other's nerves. If they did do the whole marriage thing for power or whatever. I just feel mm-hmm. like she would do something and he would be like, cause he's always, even like I say, even though he's trying to like, you know, he's there, he, you know, somewhat believes into the system. He's trying to follow, he's a commander. He still tries to move without like outside the lines. And I feel like she's always like, well, what if you do this? And how about we do this? And I feel like she would always be trying to manipulate and commander Lawrence and work like that. So I feel like that would be just such an awkward thing in the making. So I don't know. I was like, yeah, that's, that'll be no. I don't know. You can see it. Can you see it? Yeah, I think they actually would be a good match because okay. he's not—he's not a traditional man of Gilead. You know, he's like you said, he does go outside the lines, and Serena isn't a traditional Gilead woman, so he would allow her freedoms that she wouldn't be able to do with any other commander. And you know, they're obviously not in love with each other, so it'd definitely be a marriage of convenience. He'd be free to—he'd be free to do what I, what he wants. She can do what she wants, and they both get to appear to be this happy married couple. So I I think Serena's on to something by insinuating that they could be a couple um but I don't know if she's gonna get what she wants we'll have to see (laughs) so um so you know Tuello ends up walking Serena back to her room and she says that she wants to talk about talk to him about something important um she tells him that her place is in Gilead and she wishes to stay he's concerned he doesn't want her to throw away her freedom so easily and she thanks him for everything he's done for her she gives him a kiss on the cheek and I was worried because she was like in very close proximity to him. And I was like, please don't stab Tuella. Like, I don't know why I just that them being so close together. It just, I, I didn't know, get like, that, Tuella, but that's a good point. I did not get that, but that's a really that, good point. She could have did that, that. I was not thinking about know, that. Because she wasn't going back. She planned on staying in Gilead so she could get rid of this, you know, American, you know, operative. But I was like, oh no, but I know like Tuella has like a slight thing for 
for Serena. And I know Serena has a little thing for Tuello, but they just always have to kind of keep that boundary between them because of their, you know, the fact that they stand on opposite sides. But I know he genuinely cares about her and her safety. So the fact that she's, yeah, the fact that she's going to stand Gilead concerns him. Um, so yeah, they, she gives him a little kiss. She doesn't stab him. And <laughs> he's just like, you're not going to be safe here. You're not going to be safe as a single woman. And she's just like, well, I don't think I'm going to be single for long. I mean, I'm still in mourning, but, you know, when the time comes, I feel like I'll have a match. Um, before anything can go further, there's a knock at the door. And this messenger tells her that she's been summoned to the council meeting tomorrow at 11 o'clock. And then she's just like, oh, did Commander Lawrence send it for me? And the messenger is like, I don't know. I just, I know we just got the news. So, you know, you're expected there tomorrow. Um, so Tuello excuses himself and tells Serena goodbye. So uh, the next morning, Serena sees Commander Lawrence outside the council meeting room and ask, you know, did you send for me? And he's like, no. And then he asks her, he looks at her and he wonders if she has expectations of him. She says she doesn't, but we both know that she does. And they head into the council room. So the high commanders are all seated. She stands before them and they give her what they believe to be good news. They think she would be a great ambassador for Gilead. So that means she's not going to stay in Gilead. She will have to return to Canada. Um, and Lawrence calls her an unusual woman and they don't have the infrastructure to support an unusual woman. And, you know, Serena reluctantly agrees to this, but she also demands to have a staff, a budget and protection for her and her baby, her baby. The council agrees to this and she leaves the room. You can tell she's heartbroken because she did want to stay in Gilead. And I think she was hoping she would marry, you know, Commander Lawrence and she could kind of go back to her normal life in Gilead with new freedoms at that. Um, but she ends up getting back on that jet and Swell was like, yeah, I held the jet for you. Did you have a change of heart? And she kind of ignores him and kind of sits sadly in her seat. <laughs> so I'll stop there. Uh, what did you think about that turn of events? Yeah, this is what I was like trying to hint to earlier without because I wanted to let you get your moment to get to it. I was like, let me, let me let Angelica get to it. But this is a back to like Serena thinking that she still has this powerful hold in Gilead. And it's like you don't like it's it's become its own little like monster. You got these commanders that um you know are gonna run it the way they want, regardless, because they're not listening to a woman. Let's just point blank, period. So now right. I gotta listen to what she has to say. So, but I'm glad like she made her demands about the staff, the budget, protection, because basically I felt like like it read to me like they were saying okay, we can't get rid of you because I think too many eyes are on her. She knows certain things. So they can't kill her, get rid of her like they want to. Like, I feel like they want to because she has asserted a lot of power. But so they're like, well, we can, and we're not going to keep you in Gilead. Like, that's not going to work. Um, because I think even though she tried to, you know, try to put this in between her and Trello, they're still like, but well, she might be giving some information, letting him know some stuff. So they're like, you can't stay here. So it was like, well, let's try to see if we can leverage this, send her back to Canada and um see if we can work it that way because you know she did have a good idea with the funeral so i think they're just like i think that's the commander's way of like silent like trying to get rid of her but not really but you know making it like subtle like hey look here's your new position um you know because it's still a bunch of guys uh you know trying to rule everything but i don't know angelica what did you think like you think she's actually gonna have like this kind of pull over them now or that was just kind of like to get her quiet and move on or something um, I think it serves multiple purposes. Obviously, Serena's desire is to be in Gilead. 
um, but she doesn't quite fit there. Uh, but they know she's a powerful, well-spoken woman. And the whole point of all of this was to show that Gilead means something, you know, should be accepted. So why not send her back to Canada to be this this ambassador um, to tell the world about all the wonderful things that are happening there. So they get to kill two birds with one stone. They get to tell the good news of, of Gilead and they get to essentially get rid of Serena. She doesn't, she's it's not underfoot, you know, trying to get her away. So I think it works both ways. Um, so we actually get to see Aunt Lydia um, this episode. We get to see finally what happened to Esther and to Janine. They're not gone like we thought. <laughs> Shaken by what happened, she visits Esther in the hospital. Esther looks to be in a coma and Aunt Lydia looks at her with like such distaste, such disgust. She's overcome with emotion and she slaps Esther. Uh, so I don't think you should be slapping someone in a coma, but she does. <laughs> Um, and she breaks down in tears and leaves and she ends up visiting Janine. And this is where we kind of really see, I mean, we've known all along that despite her being this cruel, like slave driver, um, she actually has a heart and you know, she has such a soft spot for Janine. So she's weeping over Janine's bedside and she cries out to God saying, Janine doesn't deserve this, which is what we all think. Like, Janine's been through enough. Like, what else can she go through? Um, She regrets her actions. She, you know, she says all she wanted to do was keep her girl safe. And she asked God not to punish Janine for her sins. So she ends up making a barter with God. You know, she would do things differently if Janine is saved. Um, So this was actually an interesting moment because I've never seen Aunt Lydia admit out loud that she regrets her actions and how she treated the handmaids and the fact that she's willing to change her ways to save Janine's life tells me like she's not as far gone as I thought she was. Um, so later Naomi and Angela visit Janine and this was at Aunt Lydia's request because she believes Angela's presence will help Janine get better. Much like Janine helped Angela a couple seasons ago when she was sick. Um, and Naomi reassures Janine, despite the fact that she's in a coma, that she will make sure Janine knows, or she make, that she'll make sure that Angela knows where she gets her smile and her sweet nature. Aunt Lydia's like kind of watching all this with tears in her eye. You can tell she really, really cares about Janine. Um, and she gets her wish, you know, she goes to Janine's bedroom a couple days later she finds the bed empty she learns from the hospital staff that janine has awakened a few hours ago she rushes out to see her and she sees her awake in a wheelchair and she like you can tell she's just holding all her excitement and joy so i don't know maybe we'll see uh reformed aunt lydia uh so i'll stop there for your thoughts yeah, I mean, I was like about time when Lydia when Lydia finally like got down and was like, let me just list all the stuff I've done. I was like, you think? So it was like, it was it was finally, I was like, that was a, you know, even though we always know they doing it for some other reason, but at least it was like at that moment, it was like she was listening out. Cause yeah, she does. I will give her that. She does care about Janine. Um, you know, whether it's like, for you know, for better or for worse, because she's still a Gilead, she's still a handmaid. So, um, but she does show that emotion and, um, I remember when I talked to uh, Madeline Brewer um, um, and she was talking about like playing Janine and I was like, well, do you think Aunt Lydia has this hold over, you know, Janine um, and June? Like, you you know, this, this this weird kind of energy that comes when they get on camera. 
you know, it's like, do they have respect for Aunt Lydia or is it just like, they just trying to figure out a way to work the system? Because she knows how she feels. And she just like, only thing she would give me was the fact that she, as an actress playing Janine, like it's going to get really, like she really enjoys this, this connection that she's going to have with Aunt Lydia and like the stuff that comes with Aunt Lydia, um, the way she's kind of evolving, the way she kind of changes, like really was really fun for her as an actress to play. So I'm wondering if that's like, you know, like you see that, like Angelica pointed out at this, at the end, you see this reform, like, are we getting this reform kind of Janine, the way she kind of looks up from the wheelchair, you know, is this going to, is this kind of, kind of start something else, you know, move forward for her to make a change, you know, maybe she doesn't want to keep doing this that she's doing before after that, like near death experience, isn't Lydia going to be for this, isn't Lydia like, no, I need you to get back in a handmaid's uniform, like right now, so it's going to be interesting to see like the dynamic, because she was literally like on her knees praying, crying that she was going to lose this girl, so it's like, do you actually care about her now? Like it's all the way full blown or is it still like, oh no, if she steps out of line, we need to go take her or get her punished. So it's going to be interesting to see like their relationship going forward. Like I'm very interested um, in what's going to happen. So yeah, I appreciated the way it ended. It's like so many questions going into this next episode. So yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah, well, we're not quite done. We're almost at the end, but yeah, I um, I, I liked seeing um aunt lydia break down and show her humanity and i am interested to see um how she treats her handmaids going forward um for those that have read the testaments this might be some of the the seed that was planted for why she does what she does in the testaments and um yeah interesting to see how janine is going to move now that she's had this near-death experience i wonder what's going to happen to esther if she ends up waking up like there's just so many things um, but let's let's get back to our girl June. So uh, crushed by the news of of the fact that Hannah is going to be prepared to be a wife, June tells Moira they're kind of back to where they started as far as you know where she is in this mission of getting Hannah back. And Moira assures her, June, assures June that Hannah is like a quarter Holly, which is June's mom, and she'll be okay. You know she's not going to end up as a wife. So Moira gets up to get ready for them to get back home. And then Lily comes in and informs her that Serena has returned to Canada. Uh, so <laughs> June isn't happy about this news, especially considering the fact that Luke in the previous episode had told her to let her go. Um, so when Serena arrives at the airport, she's met by mourners. Um, you know, that once again, they're, they're happy to see her. They have like this little candlelight vigil welcoming her back home. Her driver notes that she has fans and Serena calls them servants of God who are meant to spread his word. So maybe it isn't such a bad thing that she has been named this ambassador for Gilead. You know, she already has followers. So when they approach an overpass, their path is blocked by another car. And June pops up out of nowhere, <laughs> bangs on Serena's window and tells her, never touch my daughter again. She's referring to Hannah. And obviously Serena is pretty spooked about this and she has to drive her, you know, drive away. And then June watches on and you can tell she's not playing no games with Serena. And Serena knows that June ain't nothing to mess with. So that's how the episode ends. So, you know, what are, what were your thoughts on this episode or actually the last two episodes, how this progressed? Um, yeah, I'll say it again. I really like this episode. Um, you know, wait until we get to this moment. So yeah, I really enjoyed this. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just like, I like her and Serena being back in Canada. They're on the same footing. Cause I was a little worried. I was like, they're coming after each other. 
and um and Serena being in um Serena being in uh Gilead and this is like well it gets dangerous at that point because she's near Hannah she has access to Hannah what else could she do you know knowing that she's fearful of June on the other side so it's going to be interesting having them both in Canada you know Serena does have protection so it's going to be yeah because that's she was like you need to hurry up and reverse this like get on out of here like or now so we'll we'll see how this goes down. But yeah, June is June is definitely not going. She's not one to just sit down and take it. It's like now I know you back in Canada. Oh, it's on. So mm-hmm. I can't wait to see, like, yeah, I can't wait to see this this tangle going on between them. This dance is about to happen. Um, but yeah, these like like two and three, so good. Like I love it. Um, I can't wait to see um how four is gonna turn out, what's next, because they keep in it every episode where it's like. You just want to know so much about this character and you're like, how's this going to come come in? And they may or may not tell you next episode. Like you might not even see the character till later. So it's just so interesting, like the character development and how we follow these characters for so long. And then like yeah. Angelica's in the back of my head where I'm thinking about like the Testament and everything. So it's, it's going to be real interesting to see how this goes. Yeah, I would suggest you read up on the Testaments. <laughs> yeah, like, I- it's like in the back of my head now. Yeah, I'm like thinking about it. Yeah, because I I don't, it's almost like I know too much, so, like, I don't want to spoil anything, and again, I don't know, I don't know what, what direction they'll go, but I don't, I don't want to say too much now about Hannah's fate and Nicole's fate, because, you know, it could spoil potentially season six, or so, parts of the testament, so, yeah, I, I know too much, I know too much, but, yeah, we, um, will be back next week to discuss the next episode, episode four of The Handmaid's Tale, uh, if you have thoughts or reactions to these two episodes or our recaps, let us know at Black Girl Nerds, and as always, it's a pleasure, blessed be the fruit, and see you guys next week, bye! The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Brodnax and Ryan Bennett. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and Spotify.